God bless you. It's good to see everybody here in church. Love to be in church. So good to be together. The Bible says let's not forsake. Amen. The times we get together. Let's, let's take advantage of that and let's love one another. Encourage each other in the Lord. Amen. Great. It's good to see everybody. Everybody looks great. Amen. If you haven't complimented somebody today, maybe you can do that before you leave and just say it's good to see you. You look great. And uh, I'm glad you're here today. One of the things we love to do in church is we love to talk to one another, greet one another, and, and uh, we believe that we're a family, right? We believe we're a family, and, and uh, some people don't like that, but it's okay. You can't choose your family, but amen, it's all right. Amen, it's good, good, good. One of the things, um, as I was preparing for uh, the message today, just really something that uh, I've preached before, but also just something I felt like uh, I wanted to hit up some at some point, and so today's the day. But I uh, wanted to just preference, uh, preface this uh, message by saying, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, as we pre- preach today, I don't have a bone to pick with anybody. I'm not saying preaching today because of an issue that came up or happened. I know a lot of people do that, but uh, just wanted to preach something that's very relevant to all of us today and hopefully really encourages us and challenges us at the same time. How many like a church that not just encourages you, but also challenges you from time to time? And uh, in a good way, in a good way, um, you know, just really challenged. I like those services. I like being in church where I can be challenged. And the scripture really challenges me, not the preacher. Sometimes the preacher irritates me, but uh, how many know that the scriptures challenge us, right? And uh, God challenges us. And how many know God loves us so much, he knows that we can come up to a good challenge. And so when he puts something out there and, and we say, Lord, well, that's a challenge for me. God says, well, I know you can do it and I know you can make it. That's why I put it out there for you. Anyways, just wanted to um, talk today about um, something that to hopefully encourage you, but also is rele- relevant to all of us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 12, um, didn't know what really, just kind of the read a few verses here, that gives you a great explanation of what Paul is talking about here. And, um, and it, he says, he opens up with verse 12 in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he talks about, he says, I, I'm getting ready to talk to you very plain. And, and, uh, but not only that, he's saying about preaching, he's specifically talking about preaching, preaching the gospel. How many are thankful for the preaching of the gospel? Amen. And he's talking about the glorious gospel because in chapter 4 he continues this very thought and talks about the power of when we preach. But he gives a little history here and he goes back and he goes all the way back to Exodus and he says this in verse 13, And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look at the end of that which was abolished. I'll explain that in a second. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away, that's not taken away, in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away with in Christ. Right? But in verse 15, But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Now he's specifically talking about the Hebrew people, Israel people, or Jewish people. The veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall be turned to the Lord, or their heart turned to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord, like a glass or mirror, are changed into the, the same image of Jesus from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Verse 16 says, Nevertheless, when it shall 
turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now he's talking about the veil that Moses wore in the Old Testament in, 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 in um, Exodus. And this was talking about the covenant that Moses ministered under was fading away. So he was not just talking about uh, the experience, but he's talking about the glory. The glory in the Old Covenant, he said, was fading away so that as Jesus came, the glory of the New Testament would come. And so Moses wore this veil as a sign that the glory was fading. See, the, a veil was something that was not anything to be bold about. A veil represented something that you wore that was either a barrier, as Paul talks about, the veil that was done away with in Christ. We know that when Jesus died on the cross and he said that it was finished, the veil in the temple was split in two. The veil, the veil that held the holy place between the people, right? So the veil. And so a veil wasn't something to be, to be uh, proud about. It wasn't a bold thing to wear. It's a barrier and a place of hiding. So a veil talked about um, something that tried to cover something up or to hide it or to make something appear good. That was what a veil was. So this is what Paul's talking about. And I began to, as I, as I recently heard um, a, a book that uh, Greg Rochelle had written, and, uh, and it was really really great book. And, and as, I, as I heard this, I, I heard, picked something up, and this truth is what he was saying, and I want to share that with you today. And I want to talk to you today about removing the veil. Removing the veil. Now Paul here talks about the glory. There was a glory there. The glory of the old covenant was fading away, the, that the glory of the new could come forth. Then he said this, and he turns around and he says, when we believe the gospel, first of all, it, the veil is taken away, and there's freedom there. Freedom from the veil. Come on. Freedom from anything that would hide something, or make something look better, or cover something up. We have freedom from that. How many are thankful that the veil to God's presence, amen, that the barrier between God's presence and us has been done away with in Jesus Christ, that we could come boldly in to the presence of Jesus, amen, the way we are, amen, just as the Bible says we can come as we are, amen. I love that, that the veil has been taken away. We can approach God. Once we're born again, we can approach God in prayer and in fellowship and as we talked about the last several weeks in worship. So this is what a veil looks like. It looks like something that you try to cover something up and you want to hide it. So it really is something. And I want to just talk to you today about the veil that's in social media. There's a veil that can be found in social media. And I just want to talk to you today. Again, I don't have a bone to pick. I'm not preaching against social media. Amen. Come on, I'm, I'm not doing any of those things. But I want to encourage you today and just bring out some truths about this. So there's a veil in social media, I've noticed. And a veil really gives you a false sense of reality or it gives you a false sense of identity. That's what a veil does. So when Moses had the veil on, there was a false sense of, of the glory. And there was a fa false sense of, of the identity, but it wasn't the true glory, the true identity of Christ as we see in the New Testament. So I just wanted to just go through these things and share some thoughts today about this. And again, I, I'm a user of social media. I believe in it. One, whether you like it or not, technology is the way we communicate. It's the way we, uh, you know, the way we um, uh, really experience things. It's just the way we live today. And, and uh, it's here to stay, and it's great. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Uh, but social media can create barriers and can create hiding places. It can create a veil. All right? And so for, for better or for worse, however you feel about it, amen, that's how we 
relate to one another. That's how we communicate. That's how we even believe and experience things of God. We do it through social media. You know, over 60% of people that were recently polled by Barna Group, they said that found that 60% of people can't go an hour without touching their phone. 87% of people can't go a day without their phone. Think about it. Wow, that's pretty, pretty unique. And you know the average adult, they said, touches their phone about 2,600 times a day? A day. I don't know where my phone is. Hopefully I can make it through this sermon. All right. Come on. Amen. And it's great. I mean, we carry it in our back pocket. We are, it's always on us. I, most of the time I have my phone in my hand. It's just in my phone. It's always there. It's, it just goes with me, obviously, as we call it a moldable device. And it just goes with me. It travels with me. Some of you sleep with it. Some of you, it's right under your pillow and all those things. How many know that's just us? That's how we do it today. That's how we are as a people, right? That's just the way it works for us. And, and I've also noticed some, a couple negative things. I've noticed that miserable people seem to post uh, things on social media to make themselves look uh, happy. <laughs> and irrelevant people try to post things to seem very relevant, right? I mean, no, I mean, that creates a little bit of a problem there, right? But we seem to, to really be, be talking more than really and then saying less these days. Uh, you know, it's just it's a nonverbal communication that we have. It's, it's that family that goes to dinner and all of them are on their phone. And maybe they talk to each other like, you know, you know, hi, hello, maybe, I don't know. And, uh, you know, and so this is where we are today. But here's what I've noticed about the veil in social media. Number one, you began to live a filtered, edited, cropped life. I mean, that's who we are. I mean, this is what we tend to do. We filter our lives through what we want to appear to people. That's the way we want to appear, so we filter that. We edit that. You know, in fact, our, our modern ability to, to manage our image makes it really easier to wear veils that cover up, cover up the truth. And, and, and we become more, more shallow in a sense. But the more we filter and edit our lives, I really believe the more difficult it is for us to be, have authentic relationships and be more authentic and to be real. And if we can't be real, then why are we, are we really living? Really? I mean, we can't, if we can't be authentic and we can't be real, then I don't believe we're really living. How many know that when Jesus came into your life, all of a sudden things became real to you? You became, you, you could, every wall could come down, every barrier could come down, and you could be authentic. You didn't have to pretend anymore. You didn't have to put on a front anymore. You didn't have to search for, uh, you know, fake, uh, uh, you know, satisfaction. Amen. You were authentic. You were experiencing real life and authentic life. But be careful that we don't live such a filtered and edited and cropped life that it really doesn't represent who we are in Christ. Amen. The second thing I've noticed about the veil on social media is there's a lack of vulnerability and a lack of intimacy. In fact, we communicate in filtered ways. We, we communicate. In fact, our friendships are based on, uh, in fact, we have power over our friendships. We communicate when we want to. We post what we want, when we want. We uh, unfriend who we want. We friend who we, what we want. We block who we want. We unblock who we want. We, we tend to communicate in filtered ways. Think about it. 
We have this power to do our friendships on our own terms. We really control our conversations. In fact, uh, most times I, I find ourselves using these, these kind of these fluffy, over-inflated words that we would never say in public or never say one-on-one, -on -one, but somehow we can do that in social media. It's just the way we filter, the way we communicate. It's just the way it happens. And so these things are really uh, supposed to enhance relationships, not replace them. And so I believe that sometimes the veil in, in social media is that we communicate in filtered ways. We communicate the way we want to. We, 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 we're nice when we want to be. We, we, don't just, we, we like who we want. We love what we want. Come on, you, you have a, an array of options. You could do a thumbs up, thumbs down, a heart. You can do you know, an emoji, any kind of emoji. That ex Come on. And that's who we are and that's what we do. So I've noticed that, but it can create a barrier. It can create... A filter and think about it. So we're more connected, but we're really more alone in our society. More people are more connected, but it seems like they're more alone. In fact, the more you use social media, more depend on it, it seems like the more you crave personal interaction. They say that the average Facebook user has about 338 friends, and yet the average Facebook user would only consider two of them to be good friends. And 25% of Facebook users have no friends at all. Think about it. That's crazy, isn't it? So I know I have a lot of friends but you know, on Facebook, but they're really not people that I communicate with or talk with or know. They're just people that, oh, well, I was at that church and that person met me and, and, or heard me speak. And next thing you know, we're friends now. And I never met them. So that's what we have. We have... And yet, it, it creates this, this uh, feeds this thing in us as people that we crave interaction. We want interaction. Yet, it's almost like we're becoming separated from other people. Think about it. I, I think that this quote really sums up uh, our society, our day right now we're living in. We're living for likes, but we're longing for love. We're living for likes, but longing for love. So we have this quick touch that we do, but we have... We don't have long-term uh, meaning to it. And so we're more connected online, but I believe that we're less compassionate about other people's needs. Why? Because it's so easy to walk away from pain that you're not connected to. It's so easy for you to just click it. How many know clicking isn't caring? You can click, I like it, but it doesn't mean you really care. Because compassion calls for action. Somebody that says that they care and don't do anything about it doesn't care at all, right? So be careful that social media isn't replacing compassion in your life or giving you a cheap version of compassion. Oh, isn't that bad? Isn't that too bad? I feel bad for that person, uh, you know. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I always feel uncomfortable about when someone says, well, you know, my father died and, or this bad thing happened to me. I always feel, am I supposed to like that? How many ever feel that way? What am I supposed to do with that? Am I supposed to give a heart or emoji? What emoji do I use for that? And that's how I feel about that. But it's because that's just the way it is. And so we seem to be uh, more connected to ever, all these people and all these organizations, all these charities. And I've noticed this, that we, there's a, a, a revival, if you will, in our culture of humanitarianism. Where it's good works, we give the charity, and oh, oh, you gave that much money, that's so great. But why is it that there's a rise of humanitarianism, but yet there's a de decrease and decline of intimacy and love, and really, come on, loving one another. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but man, we're fighting as a nation. We're just constantly at each other, and we're fighting, but yet, 
we have this tremendous amount of love for charity, love for humanitarianism. Think about it. And it becomes a veil. It becomes something that, that we've actually put on to cover up the truth. We've actually put that on. And so that's kind of the barrier that comes, the veil that comes with social media. I believe that true compassion will cost you something. It's just more than, more than just something that you click. Why? Because clicking is clean. Compassion is messy. <laughs> right? It just, it's easy to do that. We, we become more mobile and yet less personal. Uh, you know, I, I, just, I don't want my, my, my mobile device to make my relationships immobile. I don't know about you, but I, I feel like that's, that's a danger and that's something I constantly have to pay attention to. I don't want to just like something. I believe that I need to be engaged and, and really love something and love people. You know, uh, I, 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 as I read that book from Greg Rochelle, one of the things he did is he interviewed eight college students that he knew really good friends with. And one of the things he discovered that six out of the eight of those students didn't know what to say when ordering a pizza over the phone. They didn't know how to communicate. Like they didn't, what do I say? Usually it's just click, click, click. I order the pizza, it comes to my house. I don't say anything, give, you know what I mean? The gratuity is in it, I don't have to give them cash. And, and that's it. And so some, they're like, I don't know what to say. I feel, they said, when I talk to people, I don't, I feel uncomfortable. Think about it. These are people who are engaged in social media, thousands of people interacting with hundreds weekly, daily, and yet when it comes to just ordering a pizza, talking to somebody, felt uncomfortable and awkward. I mean, no, they're more connected. There's just more mobile, but it's less personal. And I believe that that's a veil that you can wear in social media. I believe that social media is really created to be an observer. And personal contact or personal connection is meant to participate. There's a difference. When you're just observing, you're observing all these things and you can read news, this, that, and everything, and yet that's just observing. And so what it does is it causes us as people to observe other people. We don't get engaged, we don't participate, we don't go over to our neighbor's house, but you know what we'll do? We'll get on Facebook and search and read their profile. Come on, all you holy creepers. Amen. Come on. Amen. Right? We'll do that. Amen. And so the best relationships are not found through a screen, but they're found one-on-one. -on -one. That's the best relationships, and it still works. And we still need that as people. Your mobile device can never replace personal contact. Never. And never will. But yet this is a veil in our culture that we're beginning to wear. We wear this veil. It blocks out and, and it kind of it creates this barrier. And we, we, we want people to, to view us a certain way. And, and I, don't, I don't believe that. But pres presence is powerful. Presence is powerful. And, and the Bible says, again, that we should not uh, forsake the assembling of ourselves, that we should connect physically. One of the things that beauty of being a Christian is that through Jesus Christ, I can connect with you physically. And when we get together, the Bible says we're two or three or are together, not on our phones, together physically. The Bible says he, God is in the midst. Jesus is there. And anything that we pray... Now, I understand about praying together online. I love that stuff. I believe in that. That's cool. But there's something better. It's called physical connection. And when we do that, amen, the Bible says that something amazing happens. And I believe that presence is powerful. You need to be emotionally engaged when you're with somebody. Be all there. Be all there with your family. Be all there with your wife, your husband. Be emotionally engaged with somebody. 
Amen. Don't just say, hey man, I wanted to tell you about Jesus, but uh, give me your, you know, you know, give me your, your number and I'll send you a link to a gospel message. I mean, no, that, that just doesn't cut it as somebody coming up and telling you their experience and telling you from their mouth, amen, that Jesus is Lord and he loves you and he died on the cross for you. Amen. Presence is powerful. And sometimes social media can be an interruption to healthy connections. So we got to be careful, right? So also, one of the veils that I've seen in social media is a compulsive attention and acceptance. It's this compulsive addiction, this really this addiction to immediate interaction and affirmation. If somebody doesn't like my post, I'm taking it down. If I don't get this many likes, I'm going to take it off. I've heard people say that. that you know, and if I don't get this like, so help me. If they don't wish me happy birthday within 30, 30 seconds of my post, I'm going to unfriend them. Right? Because we need this immediate. This is creating this immediate interaction. I need an affirmation from you. I need to know that I'm loved instantly right now. Click on my page. Listen to my, come on. And this is what, I don't expect a lot of amens. I don't even know what I'm asking. But anyways, compulsive attention and acceptance. So the pressure to post. Oh my goodness. People say, well, I haven't posted within 20 minutes. Right? It's as bad as Spongebob, not even Krabby Patty within 20 minutes. I mean, it's just, you've got to do it. You have to post every 20 minutes. You've got to post. And, I've, you know, I've even felt that way. I haven't posted in a couple days. I'm lost. I don't feel human anymore. What am I going to do? I'm disconnected. I, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with going on vacation as long as it has Wi-Fi. Come on, because I've got to post. I've got to keep up with that post. Right? The pressure to pose. And not just the pressure to pose. You've got to post the, the smartest, funniest, wittiest, best, coolest, everything. In fact, people that are obsessed and are these, this compulsion of an, an attention, they, they're waiting for their video and their story to go viral. They're just creating the moment. I've got to create a video that will go viral. What do I do? How do I do that? What do I do? I'm gonna, I mean, seriously. This is how bad it is. And, and if you go viral, you are a star. You are, you, I mean, you're like celebrity status. You know, that's, what, that's just where we're at. But it can become a problem. It can become a veil that you wear. It's not the real you. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not real. The attention that God wants you to have. Amen. How many know just constantly wanting attention, you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied always longing. It, it just creates a depression. It creates anxiety. It creates all these things. People who are just sit around the house, they're so depressed because people aren't liking their page. People, I don't have a thousand. I don't have ten thousand. I have a hundred thousand. I have a million followers on YouTube. So I just, I have to do more. I've got to do something to be more loved. Think about it. So, I mean, people just feel like they have to have likes to be connected or to, to be accepted. That just doesn't make sense to me. Instead of someone coming up to you and saying, look, you're accepted, I love you, I approve of you, they'll go to their mobile device and, who's accepting me? Who's liking my page? Think about it. That's where we're at. But it can create a veil. And the Bible says that this isn't good, right? And so you become obsessed with what people think. You're thinking about what people think of you. You're dreaming of what people think of you. You crave the approval of others, the attention, the affirmation. But you know what? Those kind of people avoid sharing uh, their lives below the surface. You can never, they'll never be vulnerable. They'll never be intimate. They'll never be real. You'll never hear their heart, see their life. It's like the more you do that, the more surfacey you have to be, the more protected you have to be. It's like 
I believe that we need to manage it and not let it control us. And I need to get into this next point. But I believe that our identity doesn't come from how many followers you get. Our identity comes from who we follow, and we follow Christ Jesus. Amen. And, and one of the, the biggest things I want to just, just share today that really was on my heart about this, and one of the things that I saw so clear about this, is that the veil of social media is constantly feeding envy. Constantly feeling this sense of envy. What do I mean by that? This is the, one of the worst things that social media can create in our lives is envy. What do I mean by that? Well, let's start by asking ourselves a couple questions. I, how about these questions? Do you battle with financial and material envy? Think about it. Do you uh, harbor, re, rev, you know, just, just kind of this relational envy where you're guilty about what you're doing and what you're not doing? You're constantly trying to, to look to others and measure up. And you're constantly looking at others and being upset because they're more successful than you. They're better looking. Than, they, they look better. They can edit their pictures better than you. I mean, it's just crazy. You know? You have to ask yourself, is, this, is other people's vanity provoking my envy? <laughs> Think about it. So we now measure our popularity with really painful accuracy. That's where we're at as a society. We measure our popularity. And by this, this painful accuracy, and, 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 and also with, with envy, I, I thought about this. You know, we, we, we look online, and we, what we see online makes our own lives seem very dingy and small. If you look at somebody else's pictures, and you look and you say, wow, they're just the perfect mom. Wow, I mean, I, I, I mean they're, look, at, look at them. They, they go fishing with their kids. I don't. And look, at, look at, they go to the beach and, and they got the perfect sunset and they're so much in love. And look at their marriage. Wow, they go to this conference and they know this preacher and that preacher. They're such an excellent Christian. Look how much they worship. Look at the scriptures they post. I can't think that deep. I can't get that. So we get envy and we get all this stuff. And, and then we look at their marriage and, oh my word, they just bought brand new shoes. They got money. I don't have that much money. I need to go get shoes. I need to do that. I need to post my brand new shoes. I mean, look how famous they're meeting all these stars, going to basketball games. I mean, you know, and we look at this and we look and all of a sudden we think to ourselves, I'm not who they are and I need to be better than who they are. That's envy. So it can create a, a, a veil that you that you wear and veil. Let me get into this. That I, I just thought about this. It really just hit me hard in some of these areas. You know, we'll never as a people group stop longing for more. Did you know that? We will never stop longing for more. Why is that? Because we're made eternal beings. We know that there's more to this life. We know that there's life after death. Come on, somebody. We know that, amen, today can be better than it was yesterday. God has put this in us. The, the problem is, is that when that more is focused on the things that don't matter. It's when that longing for more becomes something that's selfish or leads to idolatry away from God. Man, our more needs to take us into more worship, more prayer, more love, more compassion, more giving. Come on. There's nothing wrong with having that longing for more. We're eternal beings. We're going to live forever. We have a more life. We have a better. But think about it. As, as Paul even said, we have a, a better and living way that we live in. There's a, there's a more excellent way. But it's when that more becomes something that will never satisfy anything outside of God's will for our lives. And so, what does envy do? In James chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says that envy brings confusion or disorder 
confusion, disorder, and every other kind of evil. What, can, what evil can you imagine right now? That's what envy brings. Envy brings chaos into your life. Envy, why? Because it, here's what it is. And when it talks about that word confusion or disorder, it's like running around in circles. That's what it means. So what happens is, is that you're constantly unsatisfied, constantly unrestful, constantly in an anxious part, constantly depressed, constantly over and over and over again. That's what envy does. Envy gets you involved in this circle, in this, this kind of this rat race of life type mentality. I've said this a couple weeks ago. How many know, even in the rat race of life, even if you win, you're still a rat. So it really doesn't matter whether you win in this rat race of life, somebody. Amen. But that's what it means. So when we envy, it keeps us in this realm, in this race of confusion, in this, this area. And then the Bible says every other kind of evil. It really breaks it down. It's jealousy. It's self-ambition. It's self-seeking. And he says envy will Listen to this. In Proverbs 14.30, envy rots the bones. That's what it says. In other words, it's like a tree. It rots from the inside out. Envy starts deep in your heart, and it affects you deep inside to the place where after a while, everybody can hear it, everybody can see it. It goes from the inside out. What does that mean? Envy is this. It's an internal sickness. Envy becomes not just an internal sickness, but a terminal, a, a terminal sickness. It leads to death in relationships. You cut yourself off. You cut others off in your life. You start to hate. You start to get bitter. You start to resent. Come on, somebody. Amen. Again, I, I shouldn't ask for amens. This is just one of those sermons we just think about. Envy creates an attitude of three things. Achievement, conquering, and accumulation. That's what envy does. And so... I've got to achieve more. I've got to be more. I've got to have more. I've got to do more. I've got to be better. I've got to be faster. I've got to be all these other things that we're talking about. See, there's two things when it comes to envy. It's a constant feeling of being better than other people. And number two, it's a constant feeling of what I don't have. So there's two things here that come into play. Number one, pride. And number two, inadequacy. When you envy people, you constantly say, I don't have what they have. I'm inadequate. I'm, I, I came up short. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not strong enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not this enough. How many know that's a problem? Because in Christ, you're good enough. Come on, somebody. In God, you're good enough. And so we have to understand that. And so when it comes to a constant feeling of being better than other people, it, it's, it's, this is what it is. Something is wrong with your life because you don't have another life. That's, that's what you feel. And also, you know, when you feel like you're better than other people, it's like saying this, bless others, Lord, but not as much as me. I mean, that's when you feel that you're better than other people. Say, Lord, bless them, but not as much as me. Oh, you better bless me more. You better give me more, Lord. You better, I better be more spiritual than them. Come on, how many know? That's envy. That's envy. It's not good. It rots the bones. It starts from the inside out. And, and, and let, me, let me just say this statement. And here's what envy does. If I only had blank, I would be satisfied. That's what envy says. If I only had blank, you fill in the blank. And how many know that blank never goes away? It's this and then that and well, then I need that and then I need this. If I only had blank, then I would be satisfied. That's what envy does. How many know that's not Christ? 
That's not what God has for our lives. That's not the will of God. Because, listen, that blank is filled in with Jesus when you're born again. I have Jesus, so I'm satisfied. I don't need anything else. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking to Christians today. Amen. If I got Jesus, I don't need anything else. He's all I need. I mean, he's everything I need. I've got eternal life. If I die in this life, I, I live in the next. I mean, it's a win-win situation. I've got Jesus. I've got everything. But when you don't have Jesus and you don't have Christ, this is what you do. If I only had blank, if I only had that and that car, and if I only had that and that money, if I could just get extra money, if I could just get more money, if I could just have a bigger house, if I could just have this, I would be satisfied. It would, it would get me. But how many know that's how people get to that place because they have it, but they're not satisfied, so now they want something else to fill in the blank, and that's not satisfying, right? Amen. And that's envy. Envy makes us more obsessed with ourselves and less concerned about other people because we become really, we become Desensitized. We just we can't be sensitive to other people's needs anymore. We're, we've lost the vision for other people and that, that outlook on other people. All we can see is us. All we can see is our lives. Envy makes you feel better about yourself when other people look bad. Envy really gets happy when people's house burns down. Envy gets happy when somebody makes a mistake. Envy rejoices when somebody falls on their face. See, I told you. I told you we're going to do that. I knew that. I didn't like that ministry to begin with. And when they closed their doors, I was so happy. Listen, that's envy right there. And when you're envious of other people, you rejoice when they stumble. How many know that's not the spirit of Jesus? That's not the spirit of Christ. That's not who God called you to be. That's a veil that you wear, that you put on. Amen. That you should not be wearing. It's, it's covering up something hidden in your heart. Something deeper, it's envy. Envy masks itself in criticism. Envy masks itself in criticism. And now we have a generation of a hypercritical, over-opinionated, brutally judgmental, plain cyber bullies. I mean, that's just what we have. Because, because it makes, it masks itself in criticism. Because I'm envious of rich people. I'm envious of successful people. I'm envious of big churches. I'm envious of this. I'm envious of that. Think about it. Next thing you know, I'm envious because that person got a ticket to the game and I didn't. And you know what? I should have been there. They didn't invite me. Why am I not there? Why am I not their best friend? Why am I not included in? Think about it. That's envy. I'm getting stirred about social media today. Amen. See, being authentic does not mean that you can be hurtful and confrontational about everything and everybody. We think that now that social media has brought out this really irregular form of authenticity. It, it's not. It's not being, being uh, hurtful. And, and this is what I see that so many people use this as a pulpit to hurt other people. Think about it. And so those who are most confrontational tend to be most hypocritical. Did you ever notice that? I like what Greg Rochelle went on to say. He said, everything you say must be true, but not all things that are true must be said. Okay. Amen. And let me just say this. Not only does envy mask itself in criticism, envy starts in a whisper called gossip. Envy starts in a whisper called gossip. It's when we're talking about somebody or some a situation or somebody in a situation who is not, you're not part of the problem, you're not part of the solution. Amen. That could be considered 
Gossip. Gossip is one of those things that the Lord hates, Proverbs chapter 6 says. God hates it. He hates tail-bearing. He hates slander. He doesn't like it when you make people look bad for no reason but your own. He doesn't like false witness. He doesn't like when people just accuse other people falsely because they don't like them. He doesn't like it. Come on. Amen. And he doesn't like that. And so envy starts in a whisper called gossip. And can I just tell you something? If other people are repeating gossip to you, more than likely, they're gossiping about you. Oh, yes, they are. Amen. I like what one sign said on Amen. one of the shops I go into. It says, I don't repeat gossip, so listen up carefully. Amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs also teaches us that the sweet taste of gossip becomes an addiction that leaves you sick every time. It's, it's sweet to taste, but it's rotten on the inside. I mean, you look, looks good. It, it feels, you know, just that rottenness of envy, and, and that's what it is. There's a part of us, really, that, and it's so bad because there's a part of us that when you have envy, especially, that it, it, it's seriously relieved, and it, it feels superior when something bad happens to somebody. When, when you don't, when, when people don't get what they deserve, or, or when you think that, I, you know, they don't deserve to be blessed, they don't deserve this new house or new whatever, I deserve it. When you feel that, there's a relief that comes on you. How many know that's the flesh? That's not the Lord. I mean, that's just not good. And someone said that gossip is a form of murder because you're killing somebody else's reputation. Think about it. So let me give you how, ways real quick to battle envy. Number one, don't compare. This is how we battle envy. Don't compare. I mean, I like what Andy Stanley said. He said, there's no winning in comparison. Nobody wins in comparison. Come on, to, to, to defeat envy and to win over envy, comparisons have to die. You've got to let it go. Stop comparing. Number two, celebrate success. Celebrate people's wins. Celebrate the good things in their life. Don't say, you know, some people do it with a, with, with a you know, kind of like clenched teeth. I'm so happy that you are blessed this week. Don't do that. Celebrate success. Rejoice, the Bible says, with those who rejoice. Cry with those who cry. Amen. That's what you're supposed to do. Celebrate people's success. Amen. And pray about people's failure. But celebrate success. Because what happens is I limit what God wants to do through me when I envy other people. I can't celebrate their success because I feel I deserve success. That's not the Spirit of God. It's a veil that comes on us through social media. And I believe that we need to, to battle envy. The third thing is cultivate gratitude. See, envy is re resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. You ignore what God's done in your life and you envy in other people's life. And so what happens is you miss that moment to be grateful. So cultivate gratitude. The Bible says if, in Proverbs, if you search for good, you'll find God's blessing. If you search for evil, you'll find God's curse. Look for the good things. Celebrate. I like what Chuck Swindoll said in his book. He said, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of what you do about it or how you respond. Paul said, in whatever state I found myself, I have learned to be content. If I'm living in a 1,000 square foot home and my, my, my friend lives in a 10,000 square foot home, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be content in what I have. Plus, I'm going to hit him up at his pool and his refrigerator and his big TV. Amen. Right? The Bible says, overcome evil with good. Amen. And, and so a couple things that... 
we, we want to encourage you, respond in love or not at all. There, there's some really good things that we can do. And then I want to just quickly move on that when it comes to the veil in social media, we create various versions of ourselves. And a lot of times we do this to impress people or manipulate people, control other people. In fact, in the last 15 years, uh, plastic surgery has skyrocketed because people want to create that perfect version of themselves. We want to capture that moment, that, that image of ourselves that's perfect for the moment. Like, I'm on the beach, and look how beautiful I am. Or I'm in, in, in town, and look, at, look how I'm just enjoying myself at this coffee shop, and I'm so cool. I mean, honestly, all of us are getting upset just at that right there because it annoys us when people do that, right? But you know, there's a true story. There's actually a, a young man who, who was so obsessed with selfies and so obsessed with creating the perfect version of the self, true story, he would, he would take about and post about 200 selfies a day uh, about himself or, or at a time uh, up to you know, whatever length it was and he ended up committing suicide and killing himself because he could never create the perfect image of himself. I mean, he just was all, you know, just going out of his mind. And so I believe that people, this has been a cause of suicide. People can't feel that I'm never good enough. I don't look good enough. I'm not going to be enough. And they just they can't live with that. How many know that's, that's, that's just sad? That's dangerous, but it's also sad in the sense that this is the veil that causes people not to see the life of God, not to see beyond that little bubble of social media and that, their, little, their, their little limited idea of success, an idea of beauty, an idea of what it's all about. Amen. i got to finish here. And so I believe that we, we create these images of ourselves that are perfect for that moment. If I can capture the right image, the right light, the right this, the right that, then I'll be loved. Then people will accept me. Then I'll be able to say I'm better. Wow, that's not good, is it? See, this creates false measurements of ourselves. Creates false measurements that aren't measurements that God said about us. God said that He's accepted us in the Beloved. He made us in the image and likeness of Himself. Wow, He said that when, when we were born, He said it was good. He said, when I saw you in the womb and I was fashioning you, I don't care if you came out, amen, and you weren't perfect and you had a disability. God loves you and He thinks you're perfect and He thinks you're, amen, just wonderful that He made you. You're good enough. Amen in that sense. So we, we have false measurements of ourselves, but we, we only show people what we want them to see. That's not good, is it? See, a veil that first covers the face eventually covers the heart. And that's, that's what Paul was talking about here. He said the veil that was over Moses' face, now it's over the heart of the Jewish people. It's not their fault, it's just the way it is. And so now he said that it's not just on their face, he said it went to their heart. See, because what happens is, is that when we wear a veil over our heart, we become superficial. And being superficial will lead to really serious problems. Because why? As, as Christians, because we are created to be intimate with God and personal with one another. That's why we created. I mean, we just can't get away from it. And so when we wear this veil of social media that covers this up, amen, we get frustrated, we don't live what God wants us to live, and we become somebody else who God called, create, didn't create us to be. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you, don't wear the veil that comes with social media sometimes. A person really that's living a, a superficial or a double life will always be unsatisfied in everything they do, everything. 
And so you have to ask yourself, what image am I trying to project? What am I trying to show people? Is this the real me? Am I reflecting the real me? Am I trying to be cool and trendy and exciting and have a, everybody, I'm crazy live, I have a good life, I'm out here skiing one day and I'm in the, this and that and everything. Am I showing everybody or, or am, I, am I trying to be famous and fabulous and show everybody that I'm the greatest Christian, I'm the most, I'm just so tight with God? Am I trying to convey that message? Is that the real, is that who I really am? Is that the real me? Is that authentic me? Because I'm going to tell you something, the real you will never violate the image that the real God made you. See, the real you will never violate. That's why people say, well, i got to get back to my authentic self, my real self. That's not the real me. I just, I'm not, you know, if people say, you know, some people say, you know, in, in their trial, well, I'm not a killer. I, that's not the real me. I, or I'm not a thief. That's not the real me. See, the real me loves people. The real me, no, the real you went into that house, stole the jewelry. The, that's the real you. That's the authentic you. The real you is, you know, we have to admit, is it envious? Is the real me, or what is that? Am I, am I really that prayer warrior that I want everybody to think I am on social media? Am I that great and glorious prophet, or have I never prophesied in my life? What is the real you? Amen. So it should never violate the real, the real image, the image that God has made us to be. And so, you know, one of the things, uh, again, and, and just the last point here to, to go over this, and one of the things I've noticed about the veil that social media really brings is a powerful and uncontrollable level of lust. That's a veil that comes sometimes with social media. Because why? Innocence is being violated. All in our society, innocence is being violated. It's not cool to be innocent anymore. It's not good. In fact, anything that's private, anything that's secret, anything that's, that's supposed to be intimate, anything that's supposed to be, you know, in secret or kept secret in the sense of innocent is now open for everybody to see. And let's just, let's just show it all. Let's just, let's just talk about it all. Let's just get it out. All. How many know that's not a good thing? That's not always a good thing because I believe that there's a difference between intimacy and familiarity. I, I believe you can be familiar with things you're not supposed to be familiar with. The Bible says, and, and I'd like to preach this sometime, about being blameless and harmless and being innocent. We're supposed to be smart when it comes to righteousness and we're supposed to be naive when it comes to sin. But yet how many Christians are struggling with being so smart, so educated up on sin and yet so foolish when it comes to righteousness, so naive when it comes to, you know, godliness. Think about it. We're supposed to be, the Bible says, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's who we're called to be. Amen. We're supposed to be engaged in our culture, not affected by our culture. Amen. As Jesus was. And so there's a difference there. We don't have time to talk about the, the, the fact that really the innocence has been violated in our, in our culture. And so, just wanted to leave you with this. As we look at the scripture, as Paul, we talked about it, opening up. He said this, there's a veil over their heart. And so he, he begins to give, really what he talks about is freedom from the veil. And today there's freedom from the veil. If you've been wearing a veil of envy, of lust, been wearing a veil of of fighting and just contention and wearing a veil that's not you, trying to portray an image that's filtered and trying to manipulate people and control, I mean, that veil can be removed today. That veil can be removed today. The addiction for, for acceptance, 
the addiction for that compulsion that I need attention, I need affirmation through social media, that veil can be taken away today. You can receive the love of Jesus like you've never felt it before and sensed it before and know that you're accepted and beloved. You don't have to try to be somebody you're not. Jesus made you who you should be. Amen? There's freedom from the veil. Notice what he said. First of all, a couple things. Number one, he said, when their heart turns to the Lord. Freedom from the veil that people wear, number one, comes from turning to the Lord. Your heart turning to God. One of the things that that makes me believe in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35, I mean, he's encouraging young people, he's encouraging singles, but this is what he says. He gives a really great uh, uh, principle in God. He says, serve the Lord without distractions. Don't allow your mobile device to become a distracting device between God's voice, presence of God, your family, the things that are important. Amen. Turn your heart to the Lord. This is how you get freedom from the veil. Turn to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Look at Jesus. Look at the scriptures. Amen. Understand who, I mean, how God feels about you and what God says about you and declares over you. Turn your heart to the Lord. And then number two, something a little bit more humorous but so true, deny your selfie. Come on, this is how you get freedom from the veil. I mean, just in a couple years, we went from just a couple million hashtags, the word hashtag selfie went from just a couple million. In one year, it jumped from a couple million to 41 million, and now it's up to 60 million. Think about it. How many know we got to deny our selfie in this, this day and age? Amen? A love of self, a desire. The, Jesus said that we need, need to do this, carry our cross, and deny our selfie. Amen. Little did he know about mobile devices. But idolatry, I, I like what one pastor said, that uh, idolatry is that one world religion that we've yet to renounce. Amen. We've got to turn away from ourselves and look to Jesus and other people. Amen. See, when I turn, start turning to myself, God starts to diminish. But when I start turning to God, myself starts to diminish. Is that right? I start to diminish. Paul said, man, my, 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 my old self has been crucified. That's where I keep it. I keep it crucified with Christ. Number three, make right choices. Make right choices. I mean, this is how you get freedom from the veil. Make right choices. Make smart choices. I mean, the average adult makes about 35,000 decisions every single day. And every choice that we make has a consequence to it, whether good or bad. But make the right choice. The Bible says, choose you this day. Choose life today. Choose the right way. There's, there's ways that you can go. You can go the broad way, Jesus said, or you can go the narrow way. How many know Jesus was saying, make the smart choice here, people? Make the right choice. So make the right choice when it comes to social media and your time and what you do and what you say and how you post on social media. I'm not telling you how to live, just giving you principles today. The best decision that I've always said that you can make is always the next decision. The next decision can be your best decision. So make the right decision. Make the right choice. Paul said do everything in moderation. Do everything in moderation. Don't be brought under the power of anything. Come on, that's not from God. That's not lawful from God. Amen. And I like this quote that someone said is what you permit, you promote. So make the right choice. What you permit, you promote. And finally, listen to the Holy Spirit. How many believe that Lord, the Lord is so concerned about us? He loves us so much. He's concerned about the way we appear on social media, what we're posting. He's concerned about those things. He's, he, he, he is. He really is. And we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because this, 
The Holy Spirit gives us safeguards. How many know the Holy Spirit protects us? He's a firewall. He's that antivirus for us. He's that, amen, He's the one that protects us, amen. What we're downloading and what's coming into our spirit, that's the Holy Spirit is trying to protect us. Amen. Let's have safeguards in the Lord. Let's have safeguards when it comes to these things. Let's obey what Jesus has already told us and revealed to us about how do we to, to live our lives. Amen. This morning, I want to just encourage you, amen, to stand and have courage to remove the veil. As Paul goes on to write here, he said a couple things. He said that when we turn to the Lord, I love it, he removes the veil. How many know when you turn to God, he's going to remove the veil? And I love what he said here, there's liberty. There's freedom. When the veil is taken away, then freedom comes. Then liberty comes. The Spirit of God, amen, does it. This is what he said. It's not by might nor by power. He said you're changed and transformed as you look to Jesus. As you turn to the Lord, you are changed into Him as His image, right? You're changing who He wants you to be, who He's called you to be. Amen. You don't have to be changed into the worldly image. You need to be changed into godly image. Jesus Christ is that image who we're becoming. Amen? Amen. It's by the Spirit. I love the end when he says that. It's by the Spirit. God's working in us today, both to will and do His good pleasure. Can we stand on our feet? Amen. As I close today, we're going to pray. Amen. I believe God's changing us. I believe God's changing us. Someone said, well, I'm just listening to the pastor and so what he's preaching and so I'm being changed. No, I'm being changed by the Spirit of God. Amen. I'm being changed by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God. We're not out here to, to modify your behavior. We're not out here to, to, to show up at your house and see how much time you're spending online and do this holy creeper thing and look, you know, on your computer. No, we're not going to do that. The Spirit of God is working in us. He's talking to us today. God's, to, God's word is to, giving us that, amen, will to and that how to and that want to, to do what God wants us to do. Can you say amen? amen? See, the world causes you to conform, but in the kingdom, you're transformed. You're changed, completely changed. So this morning, I believe that God's working in you. He's, he's working a deep work in us, amen, our culture, so that we can reach those that are lost those that are steeped in idolatry, those that are broken, those who have, listen, their lives are destroyed because of the veil that they're wearing in social media. They've gotten a divorce because, amen, of how the, they got that cheater app and, and they just thought, maybe I'll just check it out. Next thing you know, they're seeing other people and they've got all these other things and now they find their families fractured or, or the family can't even spend time together. They don't even sit down and play a game or watch TV or spend time. Everybody goes to their own room and does their own thing. How many know there's people that need to hear, amen, the biblical Amen. Process that God has for our lives in the physical pattern that God has for us. There are people that need to know that you can love one another. You don't have to be afraid or ashamed. You can, come on, you can love. You can know love. You can be connected to people. People concerned about you. There's true compassion in the earth. Amen. We're not just about, you know, humanitarian works. That's great. I love charitable works, but I believe that there needs to be more. There needs to be compassion because with compassion comes miracles. Amen. And people need to see miracles. People need to see miracles. Amen. Thank God you can watch, amen, Catherine Coleman and some of the other ones on YouTube, but they need to see real life today, right now, miracles in their life. Amen. That happens when we connect to a living God. Aren't you glad that we don't have to go to Jerusalem once a year to connect? 
Aren't you glad that we don't have to, you know, just wait for one day a week or somebody does it for us or someone prays a, you know, prays a prayer for us? Aren't you glad that, amen, we've got this connection with God? We've got the signal going on right now, amen? So let's, let's just lift our hands today. Let's download, amen, some of what God has for us today. Let's say, God, I want to just download the love. You've come, you've come crown me with loving kindness and compassion, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that, amen, I'm downloading compassion. I'm downloading the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, amen, as I connect with you, Lord. And I thank you today, Lord, amen, that the veil is being taken away. Lord, I may have a veil somewhere in my life that might be hiding something or covering something up or it might be I mean, making something look better than it is. But, Lord, today I want the veil to come down. I want the veil to come away from this area of my life. Some of you might have been struggling with envy through social media and it irritates you that people are successful than you, you need to let that veil, amen, be taken away by Christ today, by Jesus. Amen. Let him take that veil away of your heart. Let real love, amen, real compassion come into your life. Amen. Get involved in people's lives. Don't just click that you're sorry or click that, amen, I, I, you know, do something. Do something today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Today, speaking of social media, Amen. We want you to, there's so many other things we could share, but I want you to just encourage you, share the love of Jesus through social media. Share the gospel through social media. Encourage somebody in the Lord through social media today. Amen. Come on, somebody that's not here, just throw a text out when you get out of church or away and just say, I missed you today. I love you. I'm praying for you. Come on, somebody. Amen. Right? Oh my goodness, Pastor Matt just told me to do something on my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we want you to do that. And then while you're at it, amen, listen to today's sermon again. Click like. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. Hallelujah. As we leave here, let's just show the love of God to one another. Let's share God's love. Amen. Go in peace and the joy of the Lord. Amen. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your weekend. Amen. God bless you.